It's the most wonderful time of the year. Andy Williams. I'm just a good old boy trying to be a good old man out here learning on the fly trying to do the best I Hello and welcome to the Faithful Fatherhood Podcast. I am Brett Etheridge, co-host of the podcast with, as always, Perry Hughes. Perry, welcome. How's your week been? What's up, everybody? It has been a fantastic week. I am thrilled because next week, Liam and I are going on his 13-year-old coming-of-age from boyhood to manhood trip. I do that with my boys, and his time is now. His birthday is the 25th of November. And as of recording, we were going to be surfing this week, but the waves are insane because of this giant uh, blood moon situation going on. So unusually large waves on the on the east coast of Florida, uh, like 17 foot waves, um, which is kind of crazy because normal would be like three foot waves. So we're not going this week to get washing machine smashed. We're going to go next week. And uh, hopefully have some more reasonable waves that we could surf, you know, three, four or five footers would be perfect. Yeah. It's one thing to have your son come of age, but you also don't want to literally throw him in the deep end. That's right. <laughs> I want to drown him in the process. No, we need, we need a little bit of wisdom and prudence and uh, <laughs> stretches limits. And by the way, for the listeners, stay tuned because our plan at least is to actually talk to Liam afterwards and ask him about the experience and talk a little bit more broadly as well about these sort of this idea of coming of age trips, which I am thinking about a lot myself because I'm about to have my first 13-year-old. So I can't wait to talk to Perry and Liam about that in a in an upcoming episode. So excited for that, excited for you guys to have that trip, which is awesome. And of course, the other thing coming up like now are the holidays, uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas, and we are fully entering holiday season. And I, if I'm honest, that's, I mean, it's supposed to be a source of joy for us. It's supposed to be something we look forward to, right? It's the most wonderful time of the year. And yet as fathers, sometimes it's not, <laughs> or maybe it's not, or how can it be? And so that's really sort of what we want to talk about. And we're going to share some of our, our fond childhood memories around holidays, what we're doing within our own families in terms of trying to intentionally, uh, you know, just, just create just create good environments for our kids during the holiday season, but then also how we do handle and deal with the stress, the financial considerations, uh, things that maybe don't bring us joy during this holiday season. And so our hope is that it will be encouraging to all of you guys listening and hopefully give some tangible, practical how-tos in terms of things that things that maybe you can add into your own traditions and, and ways of making the holiday season as memorable and life-giving as possible. I know I want to hear certainly Perry's experience and, uh, and share some of my own as well. So that's what we are going to be doing. But first, as we always like to do on episodes, at least when we don't have guests, which we do not today, uh, we like to share our wins from the week. So why don't you kick us off, Perry, any fatherhood wins from the past week? Sure. So Liam, my second born, who's turning 13, is also, uh, he, he's a waterman. He loves the water. He loves to surf. He loves boating in particular. He bought his first boat uh, from his uncle, when he was like four years old, he bought a tin boat. He worked and saved his own money from doing extra chores around the house, et cetera. And he bought this little tin boat, John boat, you know, for like 50 bucks from his uncle who owned a scrapyard at the time. Um, and he's, you know, been proud of that boat ever since he's had various different trolling motors and he's had this old Johnson seahorse that he could never really get running. And he's had this dream of putting like a real modern, you know, little six, five, six, eight horse, you know, kicker outboard motor on the thing. Well, he finally found one on Facebook that was reasonable priced, called the guy, talked to him. The guy's amazing. He's going to work with him, all these things. It seems like the perfect deal, but there's a few little red flags. And so my fatherhood win this week is not just telling him, don't go do that, you know, but to ask the right questions and to walk through that process of evaluating, should he spend his hard-earned money on this particular motor and helping him come to the conclusion that it's his desire to have a new motor for his boat that's really pushing this decision versus this is a, a good fit 
this is the right play. This is the right. And there's a few little red flags about this motor that make it questionable. And so I was able to have a conversation. It was just he and I riding home together last night from the end of the evening after work and, and going out to supper and all that as a big family. But he and I rode together on the way home. And we had a little debrief time. We had a little, hey, what do you think? Pros and cons. Here's some here's some stuff on the motor. And um, and it was a cool time. It was really, it was really fun. And I think that he's gonna opt out and step back from buying this motor despite his yearning and hunger and desire to have a mo have a you know a, a newer better bigger motor for his boat so that's pretty cool it is very cool has he actually asked you your opinion um he he we talked about it for a long time and we kind of he kind of sat in it and he was kind of in the in between and and i i said to him well would you like to would you like to know my perspective? You know, would you like to know some of my thoughts about it? Some of my questions? And he goes, Oh yeah, definitely. I really want to, I really want to hear what you have to say about it. So I prompted him, you know, by offering that, but he said he was interested in hearing it. So we, that added to the discussion for sure. I was just curious because obviously our kids, when they're younger, they totally respect and want to know what we would do, what our opinion is. And frankly, they often just do whatever we suggest. And the fact that you're coaching him through, now it's time to learn to make your own decisions. You know, I've made a lot of decisions for you in your life. Now it's time for you to start to figure out how to make good decisions for yourself. And the fact that you're coaching him through that is fantastic. Um, yeah, I was just wondering if his default was still, but, but dad, what do you think? Because, you know, just thinking about one of my sons in particular, it's like, okay, he still just really wants me to sort of tell him what to do. You know, he's not there yet, but I was wondering if Liam is there to where he's wanting to make his own decision. He feels comfortable with that, or if he's still sort of wanting to lean back on you a little bit. No, he's, he's definitely getting to the point where he's leaning in towards making his own decisions. And, but he, at the same time, values and respects my wisdom. He understands that as a 43 year old man, who's screwed up a lot of things in life and learned from that, that, you know, I have some wisdom to offer and, and he is at a point where he values that wisdom. And I hope that I can do my role as a father and, you know, he will continue to value my wisdom for the rest of our lives, you know? And I think there's a fine line. If we just regulate, 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 tell, 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 you ought, you need to do this, you need to do this, you, you know, they're going to get fatigued and burn out of that. But if we handle it with grace and understanding, then I think that they will continue to come to us for wisdom, you know, through all the different stages of their lives. Absolutely. How about you? What's your, what's your week been like? What's your win? Yeah, it's been a good week. Uh, just in general, my win is that literally in the span of less than a week, I have taught my oldest Jackson to solve a Rubik's cube. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> so we've had a lot of fun with that this week. He, so I, I mean, a little bit of a backstory. I just literally about a month or two ago decided I'm going to learn to solve a Rubik's cube and and basically taught myself via a YouTube video. It was it was prompted by a friend of ours who could do it and I thought it was really cool and I was like, "Oh, how do you like is that doable?" And she's like, "Yeah, you could totally learn how to do that." And so I was like, "Okay, I'll I'll do that." And he's been watching me do it. And he came to me about a week ago and he said, "Dad, can you teach me how to do, teach me how to solve a Rubik's cube?" Yeah. And I said, "Yeah, I'd love I'd love to do that." And so I started showing him the first step or two and then and then he he kept coming to me and he was like he's he's just he's just all in right he's wanting to do it every waking second and i'm sitting here trying to get work done and he's coming in asking me about steps and, and all of a sudden I'm like whoa what did i what did i just sign up for right it's like okay <laughs> and so i got to a point where i was about to just push him off on the same video i watched to learn to do the rubik's cube like yeah. son just go watch yeah. this video you can i bet you can figure out the rest yourself <laughs> But I said, you know what? No, I'm gonna I'm going to teach him. I want this to be something that he and I do together, that he'll always be able to look back and say, Dad taught me how to do a Rubik's Cube. Could he have learned it from a YouTube video? I'm sure he could have, you know, but but I did. I would I would I would put aside my work, I would look at where he was, remind him about some steps. So it was just it was cool. And he picked it up fast. I mean, way faster than I did, and now he knows how to do it. And so um, yeah, just just spending some time pouring into him and, and having that sort of be our thing has been a, a cool week. That's awesome, man. Bravo on putting down your tasks 
and diving into relationship with them. That's awesome. Good job, brother. Yeah, I appreciate that. So speaking of putting down our tasks, you know, I think maybe that's part of what makes the holidays hard is it just gets busy, right? We're entering a busy season and we're supposed to be creating space to spend with our family, more space to spend with our family, perhaps. Obviously, hopefully creating some traditions with our kids and and all of that. And yet it can be challenging because work doesn't stop, business doesn't stop, family demands don't stop, you know, all of those types of things. I live on a farm, so all the chores don't stop. And yet now it feels sometimes like you're layering more on. And I know that's not the right mindset. So let's talk about what is the right mindset. How do you handle the holiday season? And let's start with the good. What do you remember about Christmas and Thanksgiving as a child? What are some of your fondest memories? Well, for me, some of my fondest memories are, you know, a few of them really. One, I have I have one sibling, a younger sister, who I love dearly, and we've got a great relationship even now as adults. And, you know, I just remember like the the camaraderie and the magic, you know, of like Christmas in particular with my sister, the anticipation of Christmas morning and just the, the fun and the magical moments of, um, of the mystery of Christmas as a kid was, was so much fun. And I just remember sharing that with, with her. I think there's a lot of times as we look back on our childhoods that we remember con, I know, at least for me, I remember conflict with, you know, my sibling. And I'm sure that many of us would remember that and think of that, but for me, the the holidays were a time where that kind of um, adversity with my sister went away, uh, and it was just like fun and magic together. So that, that's one thing that I really remember and hold dear. Another one is visiting some you know out of town, distant relatives that I really loved seeing some cousins, grandparents, you know, aunts, uncles, things like that that I didn't really get to see that much during the year. We had some traditions that we. We saw those folks, you know, around the holidays. We saw people for Thanksgiving. We saw folks for Christmas. One of my traditions, we would wake up, do Christmas morning at our house, um, you know, fun breakfast, you know, presents, hanging out, you know, just me, mom, dad, you know, my sister. And then about midday, right after lunch, we would pack up our stuff and we would drive two hours to Charlotte, North Carolina, and visit. Uh, my grandparents there. And that was a holiday tradition that we did my whole childhood growing up. And I remember when my wife and I first got together and, you know, then shortly thereafter got married, she found out we drove two hours to Charlotte on Christmas day every year. Her mind is blown. Like what? That's hard. She's thinking like, that's the worst thing ever. Like, why would you want to drive in traffic on Christmas day? You know? And for me, I was like, what are you talking? Like, that's awesome. I loved it. We got to go see cousins and grandparents. And then we spent, you know, two or three days there every year. And then we'd come home after. But it's funny how, you know, you kind of, for me, that was a tradition that I loved and enjoyed. But then as I leave and cleave, you know, leave my family from childhood and make a new family with my wife, it's like, whoa, wait a minute. That tradition doesn't make sense to her. It sounds horrible. You know, so anyway, so did it go uh, out? That, did it go out the window? And how how have things changed then as a father? Yeah, so as a father, so in the early years, it did not go out the window, and Nancy and I would spend Christmas morning either here in Rutherfordton with her family, and then we would drive to Greensboro to spend it with my family, or vice versa, and we would flip flop the years. Um, and, but that was early in our marriage. We were young, you know, still relatively, you know, I think of my 20 something year old self as almost a kid still, you yes. know, I wasn't, wasn't fully, uh, fully grown as a man almost. But so we did that for a while. But then as we started, as we were married longer and longer and we started having kids ourselves, then driving, driving to Greensboro, uh, on Christmas day, went out the window. We, we live in the same town as her family now. So, uh, another interesting twist to that story is that my wife's birthday is on Christmas day. Oh, interesting. So, yeah. yeah. So for her growing up, Christmas was until 6 PM and then Christmas was over and it was her birthday the rest of the evening. So they would do 
cake, presents, all that, happy birthday, dinner. Um, and we've kept that tradition. So it's no longer, it, Christmas only lasts until 6 p.m. And then it's Nancy's birthday after that. Um, but yeah, so that went out the window and we don't do a big, you know, three hour drive on Christmas day with our own kids. anymore. We do try to get to Greensboro at some point of the holidays to visit or my parents sometimes come see me. That's cool. I, you know, my, I certainly have very, very fond memories of the childhood magic that you're talking about. And, you know, obviously I could tell lots of stories about traditions and, and so forth. We, we always did a huge Thanksgiving with a lot of extended family at, at my parents' house. And that was always special and, and memorable and a great opportunity to see all the cousins and aunts and uncles. And that's something that, that continues to this day. And then, yeah, just Christmas, Christmas at home and, and getting together with grandma and grandpa and waking up Christmas morning and, and all of the excitement and joy and magic and all of that. And so as a father now, I'm certainly wanting to be conscious of, of hoping that my kids can have those same experiences. You know, I think for me, flipping it now and, and viewing the holidays through the lens of a father, I think the frustration and the difficulty comes when sometimes the reality of the current, you know, the current situation doesn't maybe live up to the ideal that you would have in your own mind. And it's easy, it's easy to want to, to perpetuate what your, your childhood Christmas experience or Thanksgiving experience was like, and just let's recreate that in my own family. And as you suggested, that's not always possible. Because maybe your wife has a different idea, or maybe you live in a different location. For us, it has more to do with, as listeners may know, my oldest two sons are adopted. And um, there's the feeling or has been the feeling of needing to satisfy so many different parental entities. Um, grandparents on on our side and grandparents on the biological parent side and then my wife's parents are divorced and so we have to get together with each of them separately and and it can't all happen in one day and so now it's spread out over multiple days and so you know I think it's those dynamics that in my mind I'm trying to hold the balance between you know those those are important things for my kids to experience. And yet it's not the ideal of what I would ideally want for my own family. And so, so I think, how do you, how do you balance that? How do you, how do you hold all of that sort of at the same time? And yet still, still create an environment where your kids can have the magic of Christmas that, that you would want them to have. Sure. And that brings me to a question that uh, I'd never thought about until right now. So thanks for sharing that and it kind of prompting my mind in this way. But have you ever set out an intention and pre-thought out, pre-written down what the picture-perfect ideal holiday season would look like for you and your family? You know, have you ever actually sat down and said, this is what winning with the holidays looks like? This is what it feels like. This is what it sounds like, you know, tastes like, smells like, whatever. Uh, I do that with with business. I do it with with uh, personal goals and fitness and life and all those things. But I can say that I've never sat down and said, hey, this is what a good holiday season looks like. Have you ever done that? I have. And I'll answer that question and, and talk through that here in a moment. But let me let me ask you. Even though you've never intentionally done it, are you happy with the way things are? Or are there ways sure. that you wish they it's sort of it sounds like it's sort of just organically evolved in your own family. Are you pleased with that? I am. I'm a I'm the type of guy that always wants to improve. I always I'm always looking for becoming the best version of myself and facilitating the best version of my family. So am I happy with it? Yes. Do I want it to get better? Yes. So it's both, right? Um, but, but yeah, so I think one of the main things is for me to look at what is the difference? What are we going to let go of on, on our past traditions? And you kind of alluded to this earlier, but what am I going to let go of, of my experiences and 
um, traditions as a, my childhood and what am I going to hold fast to? What am I going to keep? And then there's also another dynamic of what's something new that I'm going to bring into this that, you know, wasn't necessarily a part of my uh, tradition. So it's kind of a threefold process. Um, let go of, keep, bring in new. Um, so one of the things that that I'll share before you go, jump into the perfect vision of the holiday season is something new that we have done. Um, with our family, and we've done this for a few years now. We didn't start from the very beginning, but we, at some point in time, we realized that we have too much stuff. Our kids have a lot of stuff. We have a lot of stuff. Um, we can, you know, the downside of Christmas is it can be a very consumer, it can lean in towards consumerism, a very consumer based holiday. And that's not what my perfect vision of celebrating, you know, the birth of Christ is. Um, and so, what my wife and I decided to do a while back. Uh, probably four years ago, maybe now, is instead of giving the kids a bunch of gifts, we give experiences. So the first year that we did this, instead of buying everybody a bunch of stuff, we bought season passes, season lift ticket passes to a little local, you know, ski and snowboard hill uh, that's probably an hour and a half away from us. And we spent that winter doing snowboarding weekends with the kids. And it was awesome. And it, there wasn't a whole bunch of stuff to, you know, well, I mean, there was stuff to unwrap that day, but it wasn't, you know, an excessive amount of things, clutter stuff, more, you know, more consumerism. It was about experiences. Um, so that's one thing that we've added to the tradition for Nancy and myself and our kids. And I'm, I love it. I'm really excited about it. I love that idea. And I think that gets at the heart of what I have been sort of frustrated with in terms of the way that we've done holidays is exactly what you're identifying when you have so many different families and grandparents and people just showering them with gifts. It's just this overwhelm of cheap plastic and junk and toys and consumerism. And it's like, I just, I just feel the intentionality around the meaning and importance of the season just sort of slipping away. And it's my it's, it's my role as a father to try to bring that back. And so that's just where my mind is this holiday season is how do I, how do I snap things back to a more place of, of balance? It's not, it's not at all like I just want to recreate my childhood experience for my own kids. I certainly look back and view it as incredibly magical. My parents did a great job around the holiday season. Man, it's, it's awesome. Um, yeah. So it's, but it's not that I just want to cookie cutter recreate that, I want to go above and beyond in terms of trying to emphasize the truly important during the holiday season and move away from some of that consumerism while still enabling our kids to certainly get gifts and have that excitement and things like that. But but the idea of experiences is a good one. I have another idea that I want to flesh out a little bit with you as well. One final question before I sort of answer answer your question is, do you feel like your traditions, Thanksgiving and or Christmas, were dr more driven by your mom or your dad or both? And then now as you think about how things are in your family, do you drive more of how the holidays unfold or is it more Nancy or do you guys really communicate about it and try to figure it out together? That's a great question. It's something that I've never really, you know, given a whole lot of thought to. Um, but I would say for sure it was more my mom driving the traditions in my childhood. Um, you know, and I think that that was more the this the general dynamic between my mother and my father is she was more of the um, you know driving you know decisions. She had a much bigger leadership role in our family dynamic than my dad did, and. Um, it wasn't that my dad didn't love me or didn't care or didn't whatever, but he just he just took a little bit more of a passive approach in in the family dynamic, um, and so that really transitioned to everything, Christmas included. Um, my father's family was all the way down in Florida, much farther away. My mom's family was in Charlotte, you know, and my mom's parents were divorced, so her family was Charlotte in Atlanta. Charlotte was only a couple hours, you know, Atlanta was like five, but Florida was like 12, you know? So 
Um, I don't know if that was a part in the fact that she kind of led that leadership dynamic of um, family traditions and visiting relatives, et cetera, because her family was more accessible. Um, or if it was just their personality types and their marriage dynamic where she kind of um, took the reins a little bit more often. Um, so yeah, it could be a little bit of both, you know? Um, and then in terms of, you know, Nancy and I, and now I, I feel like we do a good job of, of sharing that responsibility. Um, I have for better or worse, sometimes in the past been, you know, disinterested in things like decorating a tree, putting up decorations around the house, you know, stuff like that. Um, it's been a few years kind of almost bah humbugish about that um but i've realized recently that a lot of those types of things really fuel my wife's enjoyment and passion for the holiday season so i think this year i'm probably for the first time in a while really coming around to enjoying that more and participating in that more um well, i've got a couple of my couple of my kids that really get fired up on putting up lights and decorating and doing all that stuff. Um, for me, I think there was a season where I was like, Oh, it's a distraction from the meaning of Christmas. It's a distraction from focusing on, you know, God sending his son to earth. It's just, you know, lights and blah, blah, blah. And I kind of had a humbug attitude about it, but I think that was probably, um, a misjudgment of how good, some of those lights and some of those decorations, some of that stuff can actually be towards, uh, you know, other people's enjoyment of what the holiday season means. So I've kind of come full circle around back to that. Um, but that's a long-winded way of saying really we both do some of that. And, but she has traditionally been more the decorating the house instigator. Uh, and I have been a little bit more of, Hey, let's, like for instance, one year, one or two years, we went through and did an Advent wreath and we lit candles. And on sun Sundays, we would read scripture and I would kind of be more the leadership in terms of that aspect of the holiday traditions. But that one, the Advent was a short lived and we only did it a couple of years and we haven't been doing that for a few. And I think maybe we'll start that back this year because it was a fun and you know worthwhile tradition, I think. So, yeah. Yeah. If you if you unearth what that would look like and what you say about each of the candles and sort of how that would unfold, share it. Maybe we can put it in the show notes. I don't know if there's a website that talks about that or where you sort of get the, the meaning of all of that. Obviously, Advent calendars in general, I'm sure a lot of people do. We've we've done those in the past. Uh, I can't remember if we did one last year, but we almost always have an Advent calendar of some sort. And and uh, and that's just something to look forward to on a daily basis, obviously leading into, into Christmas. And and all of that. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about some of the meaningful types of things and how to be intentional about uh, keeping the meaning of the season in the midst of all the all the commercialization, which I agree with you. It, it, both are important. We can't, you know, our kids need to experience that magic and, and have the fun and the presence and all of that type of stuff as well. At least that's my, my view on it. Um, but I guess the reason I was asking that question is I've just, maybe it's just because we're doing this podcast now, but more so than ever, just trying to wrestle with thinking through what is my role as a father during the holiday season. And I would also agree that I think a lot of traditions in my own childhood were probably more driven by my mom. And then, and then on this side of things, I would, I would also say that my wife is more of the Christmas person. Um, and I think it was sort of default because Thanksgiving was so huge in my family and Christmas was big in my family as well, but it was like the thing that my wife had um, just because of her family dynamics and they just, they didn't do it a lot around Thanksgiving, but they, but Christmas was hugely important. And so when we got married, it was just sort of like, okay, well, we'll, we'll continue the Thanksgiving traditions on Brett's side of the family and we'll do the Christmas stuff on, on Melanie's side of the family. And, and again, that was fine in the beginning when we were young and single and didn't have kids, but then it was like years and years and years where it was like, okay you know, more of Melanie driving the Christmas stuff. But now, now that we do have kids and a family and, and I'm just wondering what is, what is my role and how do I, how do I step in and try to influence a little bit more of, of what I would envision for, for some additional things that we could add into, add into the mix and, and how to have those, 
you know, just those conversations and dialogues with Melanie. And it's not like I think I would be proposing anything that she wouldn't be on board with. Um, sure. But, but circling back to your question, I think it does need to start with a vision. You know, I think that's good encouragement to get crystal clear on, okay, here's, here's what's important to me this holiday season. Here's what I would want to do and, and why it's important to me. Can we be on board with that? And how, how can we sort of work this back into the mix and, uh, and have that open dialogue and conversation around that? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that as fathers, you know, as you talk about like, what is, what is our role? You know, I think for me, <clears throat> as a father, we're kind of this hedge of protection on one element of things. We're also that like visionary, this is where we're going kind of at the helm of the ship kind of role as well. And so one of the things I've always done in the past is Christmas morning, I'll, I will open up the scripture and, and, and read, you know, a bit of the account of the birth story of Christ. And that's kind of traditionally, that's always been my role in our family with our kids. Uh, and that's been a fun, you know, role and aspect. And so I think, you know, for me, protecting the kids from getting bombarded with consumerism is part of it and spearheading the spiritual focus and celebration and joy and excitement about, you know, man, you know, God showing up on earth in flesh and bones, like as a baby, that's really cool. You know, it's miraculous. It's, it's inspiring. It's humbling. It's all those things. But Recentering our family on, hey, this is what we're all about, and this is what we're excited about, and this is why we have cause to celebrate for this, and this is actually why we give each other presents because it's a symbol that God gave the greatest present He could ever give to us, His children, and that's why we give presents. You know, I know some people get real like, okay, my kids are going to get three presents, and that's it. You know, because. Jesus only got three presents from the wise men. You know, if that's your thing, cool, go for it. Um, uh, it's not my place to say that's right or wrong behavior, but we don't do it that way. But anyway, um, I think, yeah, role as a father is to, is to protect from consumerism uh, and, to, and to inspire a love and an awe for the gift that God has given us, you know. Um, and then, you know, one thing to kind of piggyback on that, one of our key staff member she's like a, a she's like a daughter to Nancy and I has really um watched Nancy and I focus in on gifts and experience gifts of experience versus gifts of possessions and she kind of took it to a whole nother level and she has uh she's a mother now and she has with her um, extended family relatives everybody friends before it's her son's birthday she will send out messages of, Hey, we have a lot. We He's got plenty of toys. I know that you love to give gifts. Please don't give him toys. Here's what you could give him instead. And she goes through and gives a list of there's a children's museum, you know, and she's got this huge list of relational engaging activities. Um, or even like, Hey, he, uh, would love to do gymnastics. You know, you could give him the gift of, uh, gymnastics and, you know, sign them up for three months of gymnastics this year, or you could sign them up for a year of gymnastics or, you know, whatever the budget might be. Um, but that would be an encouragement to you as well as the listeners. When you have such a big extended list of relatives, um, you know, as I think about your boys, you know, that could be a great brainstorming session that you and, and, uh, Melanie could do and, and create a list of, 20 things that are activity-based, that are relationship-based, that are experience-based, that are a class or education. You know, uh, we gave um, this, you know, little boy rider uh, swim lessons, you know, for his most recent birthday present instead of getting him, you know, another plastic junky toy that he's already got. You know what I mean? So um, she has done a great job of setting the intention with extended family and relatives on reframing that, setting that up, going, Hey, we love you. We want you to give him, you know, we want you to be able to shower him with gifts and love and all that. Here's a cool way to do it and make it experiences instead of more stuff. That's honestly going to get in the floor of the closet 
and then in a year from now, the next holiday is going to get found and cleaned out and 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 given to Goodwill or the Salvation Army or whatever. That's spot on and good encouragement. And that is something we have done as well. We've asked for season passes to the zoo or Dollywood passes and and family has come through with some of those gifts in the past and those have been fantastic. Yeah, our kids like getting those types of things as well. So yeah, I love that. And, and piggybacking on that and agreeing sort of in what I think our responsibility as a father is, and, and I want to make sure listeners are hearing me correctly on this. I, I love the fact that my wife takes the lead in a lot of the traditions and she gets excited about decorating. And at the time of this recording, it's early November and she, she's already listening to Christmas music and she would be listening to Christmas music on July 1st if she could. And, and I love that about her, that she, she just loves the holidays. She loves Christmas. She gets stoked about it. She's amped. I don't want to steal any of that joy from her. In fact, I need to figure out how to contribute joy to the situation. And I, I want to talk about that here as well in a moment. And so I'm happy to let her take the lead on, you know, she does, she loves the Christmas tree and, and all the traditions with, you know, Christmas cookies and the whole deal with the family. I love that. She loves that. It creates a great, a great environment and a great sense of joy with our, in our own family but where can I add to it? And and I agree that I think for me, it's making sure that parallel with all of that, there are service opportunities and um, giving back and and how can we make sure that that our kids grow up not feeling like it's all about them? And yeah. and I love how you have conversations around, well, here's why we do presents and here's why Christmas sort of is the way it is as a celebration of of the birth of Christ. And so all of that is spot on as well. I know for me this season, uh, I'm just, I'm just looking for opportunities to, to serve, to go volunteer, whether it's, um, you know, homeless, homeless shelters, soup, soup kitchens, those types of things. And I think that's where I felt a little bit, I had set the same intention last year and it just never happened. And I think I felt guilty about that. And I feel like, I feel like Christmas got on us without us ever having done any of those things. And I blame myself for that. And I felt guilty about that. And so last year, I felt like we had a completely 100% consumer filled, bombarding with gifts, driving all over God's creation to 10 different families. And I just sort of got to the end of the holiday season feeling hollow and empty. And, And again, I'm just opening up myself for you guys, the listeners, in case you guys have ever been there and felt that way. And some of you guys may not be able to relate to this at all because you know you just love the holidays. It's been going great and all of that. But but I just know for me, I sort of got to the end of the last holiday season, almost just being glad it was over with. And I don't want that to be the situation again. I remember just sort of joke a little bit of a funny ha-ha, but, but kind of not, not ha-ha. After the last season, I was like, Babe, we are just we're just not doing this again. I just can't do holidays <laughs> like this again. I said next year. It's like, what if we literally just take the family and just just go on a vacation instead? Just like she's like, what do you mean? Like literally leave at Christmas? You know? And I was like, yeah, that's like literally what I mean. What if we just take a cruise? And by the way, I know a lot of people do that. People just get away. They just go on a cruise or something. And that's their tradition and that's their memory and all that. And and I was kind of getting excited about it. It's like, what if we just go on a ski trip? I bet the ski slopes are empty on Christmas Day. You know, we could just be. And she's like horrified. What? No, we are not. Our kids are waking up, going down, <laughs> getting presents under the Christmas tree, and all of that. So I was like, okay, well, so so maybe that's not how I interject my ideal situation into the mix, right? There's got to be a balance there. Um, and yeah, but maybe. Yeah, then, go ahead. Oh, sorry. But maybe it is. I was, I wanted to say this because we, I we spent one year where we, my family as a kid growing up, we did exactly that. We bailed. We were like, we didn't go visit any of the grandparents. We didn't go do any of the normal stuff. And we went and and we got this cabin like in the woods, like literally in the middle of nowhere. And I just remember this little log cabin, like being completely surrounded with forest. It snowed that week. I learned how to chop firewood that week. Like, you know, and we were just isolated and this was a, a time when there was no digital age, but, but, you know, like phone calls weren't happening. Radio station wasn't happening. Like none of that stuff. We were just off at a cabin in the woods, in the wilderness. And we did have a tree. We did have presents. We did have all that stuff, but it was like, that was one of my fondest 
I remember that 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 Christmas stood out, you know. So I don't know. Maybe you know, maybe that doesn't become the every year thing. Go on a cruise or go on a ski trip or go on a cabin in the wilderness. But maybe it happened. Maybe it happens once in you know your child, you know your kids coming of age, growing up, coming through your household. Maybe it happens one time, you know. And I don't know. Maybe Melanie's like so horrified by the idea that that it, like it's not an option. Maybe it never happens. Um, but yeah, maybe I don't know. Maybe it's a possibility. I I would like to hold on to the idea that it could be a possibility. And she actually did soften a little bit to the idea. Uh, but only because this year she's pregnant. And she's like, okay, we're definitely not doing it this year because I'm going to be, you know, eight months pregnant. We are not leaving at Christmas while I'm eight months pregnant. So I think she has an excuse this year. Uh, but next year, next year, we're going to a cabin in the woods. Now, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I agree with you that sometimes those one-offs, that's what happened for us at Thanksgiving was, again, we had the same traditional Thanksgiving, which are just some of my fondest childhood memories. Absolutely loved every one of them getting together with extended family at my parents' house. But one year we went to New York City and you know we watched the Macy's Day Parade and and just having that that exception creates yeah. just such a distinct different memory that that you look back on as incredibly fond. So like you said, maybe it's not an escape every year. And I think that I think that words the important thing. I want to make sure that my reasoning for doing something like that wouldn't be to escape what I don't like about what we're currently doing during the holiday season, that's, you know, that's cowardice or whatever word you would use, right? That's just, that's giving into to a situation rather than figuring out how to change it, how to make it better, how to be intentional about trying to create an environment and situation that uh, that is life-giving to the kids, but also something that we would enjoy because I think I think my my dad genuinely enjoyed Christmas. At least he seemed to. I, I often wonder whether our perceptions of our parents match the reality, right? But as kids, it seemed like my dad loved Christmas. My mom obviously loved Christmas. There was a lot of joy in the house at Christmas. And and I have found that on the other side of it, there have been times, including last year, where I didn't experience that joy. And I think I tried to put on a good face and I tried to make sure my kids had a good experience and they had the magic and they got lots of presents and they, they had a good time. But like in my own spirit, it was just kind of like, okay, can we just kind of be done with this and, and move on? And, and I just don't want that to be the situation this year. So, so I had a couple thoughts about that because I don't want to end on sort of doom and gloom. And I don't want this to sound like I'm, you know, needing a therapist, you know, I'm trying to sit on my couch, like emoting with all of you guys about how much I hate Christmas, because that's not the situation at all. Um, but it is my mindset going into this holiday season. And let me, let me share where I am right now and sort of the work that I've been doing to prepare for this holiday season in the hopes that it may help any listeners who may be feeling similarly. And, and there are sort of two aspects of this. Um, the first is, that I was listening to a podcast a couple weeks ago. And it's it's just funny, I think, how God, I just love this about God, how he'll meet you right where you are, right? And so, so as I was thinking about a lot of these things heading into the holiday and woe is me and, and oh man, uh, Christmas, I didn't enjoy the holidays last year. I'm not looking forward to the holidays this year already, even though it's not even, it's not even close to Thanksgiving yet. This was a few weeks ago. And you know, I'm just sort of, I'm just sort of in my own head about the whole thing, right? And and God directs me to a podcast that I'd never, literally, never listened to before. And in it, they were talking about uh, something different. They were talking about hearing from God. Hear, you know, hearing like, do you hear from God? They were sharing sharing stories about how they hear from God sometimes and some things that Jesus has done in terms of showing up in their in their own lives and just real some really cool God stories, right? And then they were talking about uh, this one member of the team who just didn't hear from God or didn't think she heard from God. And she had told herself for 30 years that she doesn't hear from God. Wow. And that became her story that she doesn't hear from God. And they, they sort of circled around her and they basically said, but what if you did? 
Yeah. Have you made an agreement? Let's break that agreement. You have made an agreement that you don't hear from God. Let's break that agreement. Yep. And they said the second they broke that, just by asking the question, but what if you did? And they broke that agreement. She literally got these incredible downloads from God, like right then, like on the spot. Um, and it was a really cool story, but I was like, God, thank because I was like, thank you. Have I made an agreement that I don't enjoy the holidays as a father? Have I made an agreement that Christmas is too commercial? Have I made an agreement that you know, whatever it is, all the, all the things that I've sort of just shared and talked about. And what if I break that agreement? And so that's that's what I'm doing. And that's what, I just break that agreement. Like in the name of Jesus, like I I love the holidays. I like the holidays. I'm excited about the upcoming holidays. I'm looking forward to the upcoming holidays because the holidays are a life-giving time and a life-giving season for me and my family. I will show up as a father during this holiday season. It's going to be one of the most blessed times of the year. I break that agreement, you know, in the name of Jesus. And so, so that's just sort of, that's, I thought that was really cool a couple of weeks ago and it has totally flipped my headspace in terms of how I'm viewing heading into the upcoming holiday season. I'm excited about it. I'm looking forward to being intentional and, and uh, introducing some new things in my own family. And, and I just wanted to share that for any men out there listening who may feel similarly. Do you have an agreement in certain areas? You were talking about sort of the bah humbug thing, like, yeah, but is that an agreement you've made? Is that is that you or is that like because there's something that's actually inherently, you know, wrong with certain aspects of the holidays? And so anyway, I just I, I have I have some more that I want to share, but but that's sort of my first initial thought around at least my own personal experience with the holidays and sort of what God's been doing in my own life over the past couple of weeks. I love it, brother. Thanks for being uh open and honest and and vulnerable enough to share that with us. I think that's I really think it's going to, it impacts my life. And I think it's really going to impact a lot of, you know, the lives of, of listeners as they're kind of walking into this, because I think a lot of people can relate to that. And I think that we often do make these agreements and we don't necessarily realize that we've made it and we're holding fast to it. And you know what? No, we don't, we don't need to have that agreement. We can break it. We do have the authority of Christ. We can break that agreement and create a new vision and a new life and an agreement that is positive and uplifting and beautiful. So I'm, I'm thrilled about that. I'm excited about it. And I'm going to join in with you and in, in kind of breaking those agreements that I've had in the past in terms of thinking, Oh, I don't really like decorating the house. It's a distraction. No, it's not. It's an inspiration to the authenticity and the true meaning and the joy and the celebration that comes with Christmas. And it's all good. It's all a part of it. And so I'm, I'm, I'm jumping in with you. I'm coming alongside you in that. And I encourage the listeners to do the same, you know, just break those agreements that, uh, that are holding you back. That's right. And actually what you're saying is also something that, that I've been thinking a lot about. Sometimes we do out of obligation. Oh, I, I should probably decorate the house. You know, oh, I should, yeah, I should probably put up lights or whatever, kind of like what you're talking about, and or maybe I'm not even going to do it at all because it's a hassle, it's a burden, it's it's whatever. Um, but again, what if we flip the switch in our own mind, and and ultimately it's a decision. So let's break that agreement. It's funny, my wife has been having conversations with my three year old about the power of decision and the power that we have really over. Uh, how we choose to feel about things. You know, you can choose, Declan, to be happy. I know you're sad right now. She'll, she'll often say, you know, I, I know you don't like what just happened. Or I know you're sad right now. But whenever you're ready to choose to be happy, then just be happy, you know? And, and he loves that. And, he, and so just this idea that we have a lot of, we have a lot of power over our own way that we show up in the world, the way that we react to situations. Situations just are what they are. They're just objectively what they are. But how we respond to those is everything, right? That's what we have control over. And and so the same thing here. It's like, can I choose joy during this season? Can I break the agreement that the holidays are challenging, frustrating, stressful, a financial burden, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? Okay, so I'll break those agreements. And not only will I break that agreement, I will choose joy. 
Right. I will choose to enjoy the situation while I am putting up the lights, not out of a sense of obligation. But what if what if I add to my wife's enjoyment this holiday season? What if I'm creating some magic for my kids? Yes, I don't have time right now to be up on a ladder putting up these lights. You know, I don't even want to be doing this. Okay, well, if that's your attitude, who's that serving? Is that adding joy to your own life, to your family's life? Or can we flip that? Uh, and and just choose, intentionally choose to walk it out. I I did just some quick uh, quick searches in the Bible about joy, and I'm sure we can point to a hundred a hundred verses that talk about joy and where joy comes from. Um, but in Romans 15, it talks about joy being tied to hope. Hmm. In Psalm, it talks about joy stemming from being in God's presence. Jeremiah talks about how God's word is joy. And if you just go down the list, joy, and again, this is me talking to me as I'm shifting and recalibrating my mind heading into this holiday season. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that joy comes from your kids behaving. Nowhere does it say that it comes joy. Joy is only when your kids express appropriate gratitude and gratefulness for all the presents that you have given them. Nowhere does it say that joy comes when you have enough money in the bank account to not stress about buying presents for your kids. Nowhere does it say that joy is the perfect Christmas tree, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so my encouragement is we maybe wrap up this episode and my encouragement to myself is this holiday season, let's not look for external sources for our joy. Let's remind ourselves that joy comes from the Lord. Joy is tied to the hope that we have in Christ. Let's immerse ourselves in God's presence. Let's spend time with him. You know, that, I mean, I think we're sort of running out of time. We could, we could have a whole nother 20 minute conversation about how to deal with stress, how to handle the busyness of the season. And a lot of, I think my answer to that is just getting away, even for 15 minutes, a half hour, praying, getting quiet, getting with the Lord, because by the way, that's where joy comes from as well. And so just encouraging the listeners, get in his presence this holiday season, flip that script, choose happiness, choose joy, and you will be joyful. And as you are joyful, your family will experience more joy. Your kids will experience more joy. Break that agreement that you don't enjoy the holiday season because you can resolve to, I know I am. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying to be a good